What's going on in the United States? Well, what's going on in the United States is a hell of a lot. And joining me is uh, Celeste Katz, who is uh, joining us from Boston. Hi, Celeste. Good morning. Lovely to talk to you. Goodness me, aren't you going through a time, this absolute drama, electing a new House Speaker? Yeah, it's a real mess. We have not seen something like this since, I believe, 1923. And so far, they just can't get it together. No, and why? From our side of the world, it just looks ridiculous. I'm seeing pictures on television of them all milling about and arguing with each other and people throwing their hands in the air in in desperation, obviously. And this is the first time in what, I don't know, 100 years that there's had to be more than one ballot for the Speaker. Right. Usually, typically, there may be some dissent within the party, but usually the members of the party in uh, in the House, Republican or Democrat, sort of get together and coalesce behind one candidate to be their conference leader. And uh, since the Republicans will have the majority, uh, their leader becomes the Speaker of the House. Mm. But they just cannot agree to support the guy that is sort of the for the forerunner uh the front runner candidate hmm. a guy named Kevin McCarthy and so they keep voting and voting and voting so he can get to the threshold to the the number he needs um to win the speakership and they just keep failing or he keeps failing. Yeah. And I saw Joe Biden say that this is em- embarrassing for America. Well it is, isn't it? Well, it's it's embarrassing and disturbing, I think, for the Republican Party. On the Democratic side, I think the vote was unanimous to support the Democratic leader. So it just doesn't look great for the Republicans. They're supposed to go back into session at uh, noon Eastern time where I am. So in a, a little less than an hour mm. uh, to try to figure this one out. And can't swear in any new members, basically can't do anything, can they, until the Speaker is elected? They can't do anything. They can't pass legislation. They can't swear in new members. They're stuck. They're stuck until they until they come to a decision. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask probably a dumb question, but how do you get past this impasse? Basically, they have to have enough people to agree. Either they go for this guy who is the front runner, the who is the supposed lock, I guess, or almost lock. Yeah. Uh, or they choose someone else. They he he pulls out of the race and everyone gets behind a different candidate or they keep fighting it out until they finally come to some sort of consensus. Well, wow. that is just bizarre. I mean, you guys must be all shaking your heads, are you? Well, it's uh, it again, it's sort of not a great sign for not only for the Republican Party, I should say, but you're right. It is not a great sign for Americans in that uh, if the leadership is unstable, and now uh, McCarthy, in an effort to get this thing locked down, is now making all sorts of sort of, frankly, kind of scary concessions, like agreeing to have a snap vote uh, uh, fueled by any one member uh, if they don't like the job he's doing. That doesn't make for stable, steady leadership in our highest ranks of government. No, and I noticed him, you know, heavily in conversation with many people and there's lots of gesticulating. So he's obviously going to have to give some concessions, isn't he? 
Yeah, he is. And I think that what people are talking about, what some people may be concerned about, is that he's making those concessions to sort of the furthest right, the most conservative mm. wing of the party. And that may get him the speakership. But if that's what's driving his agenda and his control of the chamber, then that's not necessarily going to be so great for consensus with the Democratic side, which is how stuff gets done. Yeah, a very, very narrow majority, the Republicans. So <laughs> they may need help with from the Democrats at some point. This is not going to make that easier. Which is probably why Joe Biden's saying it's very embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, look, I mean, if you wanted to look at it purely on a, from a political standpoint, to have the Democrats solid, solidly aligned and in step with their leader and with the president versus the Republicans sort of milling around, as you say, waving their hands, uh, you know, that's not a great look politically. But for the practical matter of actually getting things done, which we do need to do, yeah, uh, yeah that's a problem. All right, let's leave that one. And- And uh, gee, you are in political trouble. Can I just say this from my side of the world? I'm looking at this fella, George Santos, uh, who's had his first day in office. Could you possibly tell me, Celeste, how that man ended up anywhere near Capitol Hill? It's it's an incredible, incredible story. And I don't know if there's been an analog in Australia. Uh, Probably there has been. Basically, the guy is is been called out as a huge fraud, like didn't own properties he said he owned, didn't go to the schools that he said he went to, didn't have the jobs, and apparently is also like in some legal trouble in Brazil for for some weirdness involving checks. It's it's a bizarre story. He was he was called out by um, some of the local press in the area where he ran, which is um, on Long Island, sort of in the area that's described in in The Great Gatsby, as a matter of fact. Well, yes. Um, yeah. And he's claimed to even, even own mansions. And uh, that turns out to uh, apparently not be true. So the short answer is that maybe there wasn't enough scrutiny of the guy. But also now that he's been caught out, he's completely unrepentant. I guess he's a little sorry if he thinks people are upset. He's sorry if you're upset that he embellished his resume, but he's not backing out of the job. He's also now under multiple investigations yeah. for, for all sorts of things. But it is a weird one. And it's it's disturbing. Like, you're right. How did people vote for this guy? Right? Well, exactly. It's that's scary. That's what I can't get. Yeah. But he did say, didn't he, I will be sworn in. I will take office. So you've got him whether you like it or not. Well, if they can get it together to pick a speaker. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. We'll watch with interest. Now, um, on COVID, now here, uh, we're just putting up with it, I can tell you. And uh, I'll tell you a funny story, actually. There's a a game here called Cricket. I don't know if you know it, but uh, one of the players uh, contracted COVID. And the poor bloke was sitting on the outside the fence by himself under an umbrella because he wasn't allowed to mix with the team. And he eventually went out to bat. So... We're still doing that, but we've got this XBB.1.5, I think that's what it's called, and now accounting for 40% of COVID cases. How are you dealing with it in the States? Yeah, look, they're still encouraging people to get vaccinated, to get boosted, to take uh, precautions, encouraging people to uh, mask if they're vulnerable, certainly. But uh, some schools are also 
encouraging or asking kids to go back to class again wearing masks. And I think the vast majority of Americans are very over this, but that doesn't mean the threat has gone away. And that doesn't mean that people are not still getting sick and even dying from COVID. No, that's exactly the same here. And uh, uh, do you notice, I mean, here in Australia, I mean, I still, you know, I get public transport. I, I still put my mask on on the train. You see a few people doing it, but not too many. So is it pretty much the same? Everyone's going, well, that's it. We're just going to have to live with it. Yeah. I think that people are, and I'm, you know, very much over it. There are some people who mask. And I, I noticed for myself that, to be honest, it's been difficult for me to sort of accept that it's okay to not wear a mask in yeah. some situations, crowded indoor places and so on. But the days of skipping things entirely, of uh, you know, doing school from home, that that's all over with. And yeah. it, I don't know, could it come back again? I, I can't see the future, but um, people are, I think people are also comforted by the fact that there are therapeutic drugs now to treat COVID if you do get it. But again, that doesn't mean that getting COVID is no longer a big deal and depends on who gets it. Yeah, exactly. And the epidemiologists here are pretty much saying the same thing. Look, it's now down to a case of personal responsibility. I mean, uh, by all means, still keep doing all of the things we were told to do, what, nearly three years ago, you know, hand washing and social distancing and wear the mask. But a lot of people aren't doing that. And, uh, you know, be it on your own head, basically. So that's where we're at. Yeah. Now, yeah, um, certainly. yeah, this, uh, I, I look, just talk about distressing and I can tell how distressing it was uh, for the players involved. And uh, I've seen it on television, but I understand it's uh, it's uh, incredible now with the, the fundraiser for DeMar Hamlin after his very, very tragic collapse on the football field. Yeah, that's that's something. I mean, he continues to to get treated, get better. He's been in critical condition. I think he's been under sedation, under a breathing tube. It's really horrible. Oh, and yeah, dear, dear, dear. people witnessed this on live television. He because he got up. He had this collision. He got up, and then he collapsed again. So mm. very scary. But um, you know. In, in this outpouring of support, he had this very small GoFundMe uh, collecting money for a toy drive in his hometown in Pennsylvania. And before this happened, uh, he'd raised like $2,500, which is nice for a town yeah. toy drive, I guess. Mm. But uh, apparently this thing is now over $7 million. Wow. Um, wow. So uh, people really trying to find a way to show support. And, you know, he's obviously he's a um, you know, an NFL football player. He's a, a sports star, but he's not, you know, Tom Brady or something. I'm not good with the football, but, you know, he's not like a super, superstar. He's a relatively new player, mm. but people were looking for a way to indicate their support for him and for the team. And this is the what this is the way they're doing it. This is what they found. Well, yeah, absolutely. I imagine he's certainly not short of money, but that's an extraordinary figure, isn't it? Look, has it been enunciated what might have happened to him? I mean, I watched it, loving sport as I do, and it, it looked like a fairly average hit on a football field, but maybe hit in the chest. And uh, that's what caused the, the cardiac arrest. Have the doctors explained it yet? Yeah, I mean, that's that's what we're seeing here. And, you know, of course, if you're not his doctor, you can sort of only yeah. guess at it yeah. and get from the information. But, yeah, I think the, the big issue with football that people have been super concerned about, and rightfully so, has been head injury. 
and, you know, changing the rules of the game so that players don't get hurt or grievously injured uh, when they play, uh, protecting the head, having, uh, you know, helmets and uh, cages, you know, to to protect the head. But yeah, this was a blow to the chest that affected his heart. He's a young guy, young, healthy guy. Yeah. But, you know, it happened to be this at this exact moment. It has to be the timing of of the impact and the location of the impact. And it was just an unfortunate, like horrible confluence of Not events, and, yeah. you know, so it's, uh, you know, very, very sad to see and, and raising a lot more questions uh, on top of those that are already being asked about whether football is a safe, reasonable game for uh, not only for professionals, but for little kids. Oh, look, you know, we're going through that here now. You know, our footballers don't wear helmets uh, like your footballers do. And we now have a thing called a head injury assessment. So if a player looks like he's taken a knock to the head and is groggy and staggering about the place, they have to come off uh, and be assessed, uh, which is a good thing. But, you know, when you think about uh, the great boxers, Muhammad Ali being one of them, I mean, these hits to the head, never mind a hit to the chest, uh, if you take enough of them, and uh, the evidence is mounting up that really, you know, footballers uh, in later life can uh, succumb to, to many things after, you know, going through this tremendous impact of concussion with the body and the head. Right. And, you know, we think about these things like traumatic brain injury. We think of them often, I think, in the context of either uh, massive accidents like a car accident or a fall. Uh, we think about them in the context of war and of battle, soldiers coming back from service with traumatic brain injury. But, you know, this is something that that. Um, you know, is also bringing attention to the fact that there are other mad, you know, manners of injury that can be really, really scary yeah. and really, really dangerous, even for players that are otherwise totally healthy and strong. Yeah. Well, all the best to him. It was uh, just one of those things that, you know, seemed pretty random. And uh, let's hope he gets a lot better. Now, <laughs> Celeste, um, you've got me with this one. Um, you can be buried in Massachusetts. Uh, you can be cremated in Massachusetts. You can donate your body to science. Now, all of those things are available to us here and you choose your option, but you're going to have to tell me about what Representative Natalie Higgins has come up with. Right. So she wants to bring to Massachusetts something that has been uh, made legal in six other states, which right. is human composting, mm -hmm. human composting, right. which is after after you die, they sort of they sort of lay you out on a bed of like wood chips and straw and they let you hang out there for about a month oh. until your body breaks down mm -hmm. and all of this together is compost that can be used to fertilize say like your favorite flower bed or trees or something like this sort of you know quite literally a, a return to the earth uh, idea and some people think this is great and it's uh, you know an environmentally sound or it seems environmentally sound and some people think it's a desecration of the human body and totally inappropriate and do you want your you know your kids to be like digging in a garden filled with mm. uh, material from you know a human body you're gonna have to leave it with me Celeste um, <laughs> but you, you she wants to be placed outside I'm, I'm reading her late great-grandparents house uh, because mm -hmm. uh, she would find comfort in that and being returned to the earth. But my question is, and you know, it sounds a bit gross. I mean, who, over while you're lying on the wood chips uh, decomposing, who oversees all of that? 
Well, I think it's it's I mean, you, you don't they don't just sort of like chuck you in there and leave you there. I mean, this I think this has to be done under. And that's the other thing. Like, I'm sure if mm. it hasn't already and some sort of industry is going to spring up around this in the same way we have, yeah. you know, funerary industries for urns and caskets and embalming and, and all these things that are, you know, uh, unfortunate parts of life or the end of life. But, um, you know. In a lot of places, either this is not legal um, or there's just as it's in Massachusetts is the case. It's not that it's not it's not legal here, but rather it's just um, not available. There's just no one to do it. And I wouldn't recommend trying that at home. No, but what's what's Representative Natalie Higgins have to do to get this up? Has she got to put it before the legislature? What does she have to do? Right. They would have to they would have to. Uh, pass a law to make it legal um, and to provide for it essentially and regulate it, I should say, in uh, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts to allow this to happen. Right. Um, so, yeah, so there's a bill that goes through um, the Massachusetts legislature that would sort of regulate, you know, and formalize how this can be done. And, um, you know, I think probably also put some prohibitions on uh, how and when yeah. and who can do it. Yeah, I I think I might leave that one out of my will, Celeste. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not quite ready to sign up just yet. No, me either. Thanks for your time. Lovely to talk to you. Always a pleasure, Celeste Cass in uh, in Boston.